Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer, and on this occasion, I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the John and Anne Darwin of the Terrace team up. <laughs> That's right. You are going to be... <laughs> Two chumps letting off steam during some friendly text message banter for the next 60 minutes. Now, normally we'd be looking at three games from each division, but instead of doing that, we approached you. Yes, you, the listener for some questions about the lower leagues that Sean and I can talk nonsense with for a wee while. That sounds all right, Sean, doesn't it? That sounds good for me. But before we get into that, let's check in on each other. Let's talk uh-huh. about our men's mental health. How are you doing? I, uh, do you know something? I've, I've, had, I've had a difficult week, and what I would say is, whatever, whatever ScotRail employees are looking for in terms of a pair of eyes, I, j- j- just give them it. I've, I've got the bus to work this week, uh, the bus there and the bus back. I've I've not enjoyed it. I've not enjoyed it. So so today's uh, today's escapade involved the bus driver getting to Inverkeithing, then getting out of his small cabin or whatever you would call it, and then announcing to the bus that he th- he was fairly certain that everybody who had asked for a return, he'd actually given them a single. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, so he asked everybody. everybody he asked everybody who had asked for a return to check their tickets. And he then had a massive queue up the middle of the bus of people needing to exchange, exchange their tickets. But what he needed to do was take that if they paid by card, and most people had, then he had to cancel, take their cards again, cancel the payment, then take a new payment. And it was like quite a big queue, so suddenly we're like miles behind. I was like, right, okay, so like, like it's really early in the morning, but okay, fair enough, we're now back on the road. And I'll, I'll be at my work, uh, hopefully on time. But then it's really busy because there's no train. So what normally happens in that scenario is when it gets to, to that point, the driver will stop, uh, or, or when he reaches a stop, he'll get his cab. He will check to see how many seats he has left. And then let's say he reaches a stop and there's maybe six people there. He might say, listen, I can only let on the first four. I'm really sorry. But I don't know if he was stressed or uh, kind of thinking about what had just occurred. But he, like, I was aware, like, this bus is mobbed, eh? Like, it's really busy. 
uh, and he hadn't checked how many seats he had left, so we got to a stop, and he just let he was just letting loads of people on. <laughs> so they were so everybody had let on. There was a bar ticket. Then they were just wandering up the back of the bus. There was no seats left. Then they were wandering down, but other people were meeting them in the middle of the bus. <laughs> and they were like, oh, is there no seats left? And they're like, no. He goes, right, well, I'm really sorry, but you'll have to get off. So, Fucking hell. It's like, right, but I've bought a ticket. He goes, oh, but you can't have anybody standing. And I was like, it's, it's 10 past 7, eh? I, I can't, I, I don't have the strength or energy to, to deal with this. So, uh, I, I, I just hope Scotty will pay their workers uh, what they deserve very soon so I can, I can get another substandard mode of transport to work, which isn't as substandard as buses. I found that really funny. I don't know why. I was absolutely ending myself just the fact that he gave everyone the wrong tickets. I don't know why that's so funny. I don't know, that's funny. That's the most I've laughed all day. Um, but uh, yes, no, you're absolutely right. Solidarity with the striking train workers and solidarity with the striking nurses and, and the rest of the, the people that are out on strike, obviously. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say I don't need to be like Craig Fowler and like make a song and dance about it on social media. That's, uh, he's... he's He's very, he's very right on, and that's uh, that's his right. But, uh, but play, that's, that's that's not a bad thing, being right on. Turn it in a wee bit, mate. That's that's, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, enough of my uh, enough of my bus uh, uh, disasters. What about you? Oh, uh, physically fine, mentally tanking. <laughs> But you have to laugh, don't you? Um, I have got the big office Christmas party <clears> on. Tomorrow, Friday, so that should be good. That's always a, a highlight in the in the year. So, aye, looking forward to that. Uh, have you got an office Christmas party coming up, Sean? Uh, there is one. Uh, there's one tomorrow. Excellent. Uh, no, oh, wait a minute. What day is it? Thursday? No, it's uh, sorry, Saturday. Saturday. I'm heading to Edinburgh for that. A workshop, a work Christmas party on a Saturday. That's unusual. I thought that was unusual as well, but uh, that's that's when it's occurring. Well, what at least that's what they've told. Oh, that's good. What are you doing for it? Uh, it's in some place in George Street. I should probably check where uh, before heading there. Very fancy. Somebody's doing all right. Uh, well, I mean, we got it for cheap, so it's fine. Okay, okay. I'm going to uh, a restaurant and then a pub. That'll be fine. Wait, uh, do you not want to reveal where? No, I don't because I don't want people coming. <laughs> uh, but I say I don't want people coming. Yeah, oh, there'll be people listening. Oh, let's go and see Craig Telford's Christmas night out. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the last time you spoke about a Christmas night out, it was uh, online, and I got the impression you didn't enjoy it. Holy fuck, that was really bad. That was, uh, so that, that would say that would have been a year ago. Of course it was a year ago, because it was last Christmas. But they had the, do you remember, it was like it was all shaping up fine. You, you could have effectively like yep. a normal uh, Christmas. Uh -huh. But then, uh, we Nicky, we Nippy introduced uh, another lockdown measure. And so all the Christmas parties were effectively kiboshed over that period. And so we did ours online. It was excruciating. It was like um, <laughs> you you would have a, like I think my boss is like if you want, if you want to have a drink if you want to have a laugh just just come and join us online. But there was there was no laughter, um, not not once. And it was like people who were like it's like this is I, can we not just I mean I can see the merit in doing it. So we was trying to bring everyone together and and just just have fun. But no one want no one really wanted to be there. I just ended up being quite awkward, like people yeah, holding yeah. up uh, like their cats and pets coming and being being waved up at the camera, like uh, some sort of circus attraction. No, I didn't like that. Forced fun is the worst kind of fun. Yeah, so there'll be, I don't think there'll be any forced fun at this. I'm going to have uh, a couple of pots of lager and then see where the night takes me. That sounds that sounds absolutely fine. Oh, it should be. It should be good. I think we're all looking forward to it, given the fact that we didn't get the chance to do one last year, so let's try and make up for it. 
Uh, I quite like the idea of uh, having to beat four police officers having to take me down. I remember reading about that a fairly mild manner. Have you heard of the drug? Is it Angel Dust? Yes. Aye, like somebody did Angel Dust and they, they drove across, like, I think it was across like two states before the police shot their tyres out. And then when they got out of the car, it took like five police officers to actually tackle this guy down who was off his face in Angel Dust. So I'd, uh, something similar to that. It must have been, it must have been very narrow states. Uh, or, or would have been driving for hours. Aye, when you think about that, maybe just sort of like it's where, where some states, like there's like like four states meet each other, they just kind of drove almost in a, like a 200, 270 <laughs> degrees. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that story's completely wrong. Maybe I've got that story completely wrong. But I quite like the idea of just being, of being like just so strong that like, that takes like five men to wrestle you together. Or you believe you're strong. You believe you're so strong that it takes that many men to wrestle you to the ground. Do you think that's what the guy was taking uh, from the Where's Coney uh, campaign? <laughs> <laughs> the Invisible <laughs> Children. <laughs> Fuck, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago in the summer. Uh, remember, we were going to paint the night. We we're going to let everyone know who Joseph Coney is. And then the guy had a breakdown and started wanking in the street at the end of his drive. <laughs> from a real uh, hero to villain moment. Oh my goodness! I invisible children. I remember that. Uh, like the Facebook <clears throat> groups that sprout. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let the world know who this guy is. We're going we're, go we're gonna make sure he's the most famous man in the world. Uh, and uh, it did work. I don't know if Joseph Coney's still at large, is he? Uh, I'd imagine there's more chance of him being at large than the, the guy who started the campaign. <laughs> I th no, I think he he admitted afterwards he was just going through a tough time of it and just letting off some steam. <laughs> Well, he couldn't do anything other than admit it. He's, he's wanking on a street corner. Uh, just imagine the poor officer that comes with a reflective blanket and has got to put it over his shoulders and take him into the back of his car. He was the third officer to see him. It was just the first to ignore him. So I'm not dealing with that. I'll finish at five. Uh, just leave him be. He'll finish up soon. Uh, and then the third officer's got to come out with his reflective blanket. Right, one son. We'll get you a, get you a nice cup of soup. In the back of the wagon. Uh, but just while we're waiting, I'm sure the listeners uh, are, are, are wondering where is Joseph Coney. I'm just going to very quickly go on uh, Joseph Coney. Um, <coughs> the, he's still, this is, I'm just skipping to the final chapter. By 2017, Joseph Coney was still at large, but his force was reported to have shrunk to approximately 100 soldiers, down from estimated 3,000. Um, well, that's good. Oh, good. Both the United States and Uganda have ended the hunt for Kony and Lord Resistance Army, believing they are no longer a significant threat towards Uganda. Well, thank goodness for that. U well, Uganda brings a, a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> yep, so then, invisible children. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. I wonder, I, I was going to say, I wonder what goes, uh, you, uh, you can't really have your thinking cap on if you're having a wank in the street. I mean, I'm, I'm presuming not. Yeah, uh, you, you, you wouldn't necessarily have your wits about you if you were uh, if you were doing something like that. Because it, it was daylight, wasn't it? I mean, it's, oh, it was, it was, I think it was. It like wasn't as if it was. Uh, it wasn't being uh, surreptitious about it. No, he, he wasn't. It wasn't like Metal Gear Solid. He was like hiding in the <laughs> shadows from someone. He was. He was under a box. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the police officers coming up to him, just prodding the box. So it's just a box. No, no, he was. <laughs> He was going full throttle in the middle of the day. I, uh, I, I didn't expect us to, to get to this topic of conversation. 
No, in my notes, I don't have anything about Joseph Coney. I've done a control F and search for the word Coney. He, that's not in there, so fair play to you for, uh, for bringing it up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I was going to say, you know how we do the introductions, and we always do them. It's like tonight I am joined by the such and such of the of the terrace, and it's always a an unlikely couple uh, together. Have you heard of jo- Joey Butterfuco? You know who that is? Uh, oh, I, I don't believe so. Right, because I was going to bring him up, but I thought that you wouldn't have got that. But here's it from Wikipedia. Um, Joseph Butterfuco is an auto body shop owner from Long Island who had sex with a minor, Amy Fisher. Fisher subsequently shot his wife, Mary Jo Butterfuco, in the face. Tabloid news coverage labelled Fisher the Long Island Lolita. Butterfuco later pleaded guilty to one kind of statutory rape and served four months in jail. I was going to introduce this as that of the terrorist, but I thought that had perhaps been a wee bit too, a bit too niche. I don't know if anybody else would have read that Wikipedia article and I, would have understood it. I just, I, I watched, there's a YouTube channel I watch called Red Letter Media. <clears> These guys review movies. They, they, they review movies that have just come out in the cinema. They review terrible B-movies. And they were talking about uh, an actor in a film. They called him Joey Butterfuco. So I was like, ah, I wonder who he is. Looked him on and thought, oh, that's me and Sean. Um, <laughs> but then I thought, <laughs> but then I thought, nah, it's probably a wee bit too niche. So stick to the guy that faked his own death in a canoe. <laughs> I was reading about his, uh, his kids because he had two grown-up children. And the, 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 the thing in Wikipedia says, like, his, although his children were initially elated when the father returned, when they found out more details about it, they effectively disowned him. Aye, you, you probably would, you, you would be best pleased, would you, if, you, if your father faked his own death and then came back a, a wee bit later. And it's just like, just, uh, right. just, just don't allow that person in South America to take a picture. Yeah, it's like, can we use for your publicity shot at the website? Nah, it's fine. We're just keeping a, keeping a low profile. He's been sleeping in a cupboard for about six years. <laughs> why, why does he suddenly let his standards slip? <laughs> I don't understand. It's, it's like the idea of the, the, like your, your bairns being around who you've not seen in months. And you probably, I really just want to see my son and say, all right, to him, but now you've got to live in the cupboard just so you can make your getaway to Panama <laughs> in time. What a story. What a story. Fuck. The funny thing is, Sean and I, uh, dear listener, before Sean and I came on, Craig Fowler had asked us, do you think you'll have enough material to, to scan for a, a whole podcast and a Patreon? I said, probably not. But here we are. We're, we're nearly 15 minutes in and we haven't even once touched on the stuff we're going to be talking about. I mean, I mean if, if we must touch on football, uh, then, then we must. Yeah, aye. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's listen. Do you want, you want to get cracking? Do you want Aye. to get cracking? We right, probably okay. should. Probably should. We, we, we probably should. We've all got homes to go to. I mean, I'm in my home just now. Where are you? 
Uh, in my home. Right, okay. Uh, well, let's keep going then. <laughs> let's, uh, uh, did, did you know anyone that did the Corey 2012 thing? No. No, absolutely no. not. I know lots of people that shared it. I remember that was FaceTime on Facebook. I think that was the first thing on Facebook that I really remember uh, becoming like a, a big deal, like mm-hmm. with shares and so on. But then when I actually came to the action part of it where they wanted people to paint the night, no one ever did it. No, I I think I, I read stuff and thought, this is quite interesting, but I certainly wasn't going to take part. No, I think the story as well, Invisible Children got a lot of criticism because the story, they really simplified it down. Um, there was a, it was a lot more nuance to it, a lot more great areas about Joseph Coney and his um, nefarious deeds, uh, but they, they made it very difficult. And they brought the, the remember the the guy who was wanking, his son uh, was, was part of the video as well, he's a wee boy. Are there other grey areas when it comes to uh, a child soldier army? Hey, well, listen, everyone's got their own reasons for joining <laughs> up to the army. Uh, I hadn't really considered that right enough. I mean, I think there have been some child soldiers, I couldn't <clears throat> imagine, but some child soldiers don't want to be there, but I imagine some would. Uh, uh, maybe. We'd have to go around and speak to them all. I uh, don't have time. Listen, we don't have time to do this podcast. Well, well, go and speak to well, well, child soldiers. Well, we maybe have time now because there's only a hundred of them left. Oh, that's right. I, I just, uh, <laughs> I just invite them into a group chat. <laughs> just, what's it like being a child soldier? There you go. Easy, easy. Right, fuck. <laughs> right, earlier in the week, from the view for the view for the terrace. No, 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 no. Start that again. Earlier in the week, the Terrace Twitter account sent a message saying that Sean and I are doing this podcast and we would like your questions. And so thank you to the 15, 16 or so people that actually got in touch for, for the rest of the people. There's about tw- uh, nearly 20,000 people that follow that account. And so I don't know why you didn't bother getting in touch with us to, to give us your questions. But thank you to the people who did. There was some good stuff in there, some terrible ones. But uh, well, so it's just, uh, just, some, some, just a new lack of imagination. I don't know. I thought there was some. I thought there was some decent stuff in there. I didn't. I didn't look at any and think, "My goodness, that's really bad." No, I suppose lack of imagination. We're the ones who say, "Oh, what we're going to talk about?" I don't know. Let's ask punters. So we're really. I'm really not in a position to go and criticise other people for having a lack of imagination. <laughs> yeah, we, we approached each other this week and said, "What we're going to talk about?" And we went, "Don't know." So yes, if, if anybody had a lack of imagination, it's very much uh, myself and, and and you. Uh, normally what you know what Sean and I do is we talk about three games from each tier, but I think it was a bit of a funny weekend. There was only a couple of SPFL Trust Trophy games, uh, a couple of games in League Two, so it was a wee bit of a grab bag. So like this, this is a good stopgap, I think it's fair to say. Yes, uh, there would have been eight games in the SPFL Trust Trophy with it being uh, the last 16, I think. Oh, what have I if... done now? They fucked up again. <laughs> Ah, they had nine games in the last 16. <laughs> uh, I, and I, but were both the League 2 games moved from Christmas Eve? That's correct, yeah. They're supposed to be played on the 23rd. 23rd, right, got you. Steny didn't do too well. <laughs> oh, baby. You know, the funny thing is, it's like, uh, I thought that that after the defeats to, like, Stranraer, John McBonnie rig and, and losing to Elgin, I thought, oh, geez, oh, Steny in a bit of bother. But that's the weekend there, that game at the weekend, where it was first, like... <laughs> Stennis, we were in trouble. Stennis, we were in trouble. And I would take eighth place or ninth place, actually, if it was offered to me right now. That's how bad well, no, things that's, are. That's, that's quite the climb down from uh, how you approach this season. 
Listen, we, well, I'm not going to go talk too much about Stennis Fear because Fowler and I did that last week on a, a bonus podcast, so it's perhaps worth listening to if you really want to know, but that was a, a shambles of performance. Started well for the first half hour or so, knocked the ball around quite well without really creating much, but then when Forfer scored, really came out of nowhere. And then at the start of the second half, Stenny had a disallowed goal right at the start of the half, then immediately Forfer went up the park and got their second. Excuse me. And Stenny just looked, there was no chance of them coming back into it. That is Very the uh, that is the Mr. Raymond McKinnon effect for you. Hey, he's done all right. It was that two draws and two wins in his first four games. So that's that, I think that's perhaps better than Gary Irvin got all season. So they 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 certainly weren't as bad as uh, I think a lot of people might have expected them to be. I think though I was talking to uh, a guy who who works for Forfar. Forgive me, I, I don't quite quite know his name, but I've spoken to him on the last few occasions. Really, really nice guy, and he was saying that perhaps. Gary Irvin can can count himself unlucky that he that I mean Forth have been decimated by injuries, particularly in defence, over points of the season. A lot of make doing amending, and it's only now over the past like two or three weeks that these key players are coming back into the fold, who are now doing well for McKinnon and who perhaps might have dealt done well for Irvin, but that's just just the way it works, isn't it? You can't you can't really it, blame just, injuries. It's also a carryover from last season. They weren't doing last. Uh, yeah, doing particularly uh, last season either, though. 100%. 100% like he, I think uh, there's a lot of managers that were coming into that division. You'd probably say, like, Stevie Farrell, Gary Irvin, Stephen Swift, they were the guy, the managers that were coming into under pressure, and it seems to be only uh, Stevie Farrell's the one that's actually bucked that trend and has bought himself time, whereas other two are, were gone within, what, a fortnight of one another. So here we are. But anyway, do you, want to talk, do you want to get into the questions? Let's, let's this do is, that. This is the third time I think I've asked you want to get into the questions <laughs> in this podcast. And I've just realised your name is Grant Mountbatten. Uh, ah, yes, of, of course. Picture. Just for the listeners at home, Sean and I are using a platform called Riverside. And it's, it's effectively just like a better Zoom. I think the audio quality is better than, than Zoom. It's a, a little bit more expensive, but that's where the Patreon money comes into when it's not being used to redecorate people's houses. It's used to buy uh, great software packages like this. And so when I was setting mine up today, Sean, I thought, what's a really, really annoying name? What's a Middle England conservative <laughs> name? And I thought Grant Mountbatten is uh, the name of someone who would have been a true blue all my life. Wait a minute, is Grant Mountbatten... The member of the royal family that was killed by the IRA. Oh, jinx, I don't know. Let's say... Uh, Grant Mountbatten... Oh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> Hold uh, the fort. <laughs> uh, the Mountbatten fam... No, no, there's none about Grant Mountbatten oh, here. Yeah, Let's that's see, good. Grant Mountbatten death. Uh, there's a Lord Mountbatten... No, no. That's the one. Th Sean, you're thinking of... Louis Francis Albert, Victor Nicholas Mountbatten, first Earl Mountbatten of Burma. He was the one who had his face blown off by uh, by the Irish Republican Army. Easy to confuse the two. Easy to confuse the two of them, you know. <clears throat> um, right, first question, right? Yes. This is from Lanky Bass, and this is, like, this is more addressed to you than, than me. Would but, you but it, would, it would be applicable to you as well, I, I, I feel. <laughs> okay, uh, Craig Telfer, would you rather see Scotland win the European Championships or Wraith Rovers win the SPL? Sean, as much as I love you and as much as I want, like, enjoy, I want to see you be successful, I want to see you happy, if I had to pick between Wraith Rovers winning the Premiership title and Scotland being the European Championships, I'm so sorry, I'd have to go for Scotland. When I said it applied to you, Joe, I was meaning if Steny were to win the, ah. uh, the, the Scottish Premiership. 
that's a right. So, our respective club teams. Then, what do you rather have? Club success or national success? For a long I, time, for a long time, I was always club success. Always club success. However, having known how good it felt when Scotland made it to the Euros there. Uh, back in 2020, I, and that feeling of when it's you're all in it together, like regardless of who you support, that's a good feeling. I would have to go for national success. No, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I, I kind of always thought that in terms of I probably get more worked up and I get more passionate and I get more despondent the majority of the time about about Scotland games than I do uh, Rafe Rovers. But see, see when we qualify for the Euros and you went on. You went on Twitter and it was just, you know, like you go on Twitter, it's like, it, it can be you're scrolling through not particularly cheery uh, tweets. For about three days, it was just a whole host of people who were absolutely ecstatic uh, uh, with, with what was going on. So I, I so, so there's, there's two things here. A, I would choose national success over club success. And B, see, because Greece won the Euros. Yeah. I still think there's a chance at some point Scotland could potentially win the Euros. And I know, I know you're laughing, and I know it's ridiculous, and I know it almost certainly won't happen. However, there's a bit of me that thinks you never know. What was, what was Greece's path in the Euros? Can you remind me of, of what, they, what they did and what they went through? Uh, they beat Portugal. I remember they beat Portugal in the final. They were, was it Angelos Harristeos <coughs> was the, the key player? I remember like, they were a pretty minging side to watch. They were rubbish. They were, they were, they were very effective. Uh, their goals almost generally came from set pieces and Otto Rehagel had them uh, particularly well drilled and well organised. And that was a bit like they weren't a good team, but they mm -hmm. were they were uh, efficient, put it that way. The top scorer in Euro 2004 was Milan Barros. And, and he didn't play for Greece? No, he played for the Czech Republic, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's, uh, when, you, when you put it into context like that, you know, you know something you never know. Now, I, I think there is a chance that Scotland could potentially win the Euros at some stage. Or you know something, maybe even qualify from the group. And, and how good would that be? That'd be amazing. However, like I, I think about like Stenhouse Muir, for instance, and just like having never won a league title. I thought this could be the season that Stenhouse Muir won that <laughs> league title. That's not the the case as we've discussed. And I remember talking to the the guy that does the tannoy, the guy that I. That I took over from doing the tannoy. He's now back doing it again, which is which, which is good to see. But he was talking about his own father, who I think passed away last year or the year previously. It was a real shame. Dom's a really good guy. And he was saying that his his dad had followed Stennis Moore like, into his 80s and, and I'd never seen the winner. He says, like, I'd hate to be in the same position as like my dad and watching them like all this time and never get them to see them win a league title. See, so it'd, be amazing, it'd be amazing for that to see Stenny win a league title. Something that you, something you've invested so much emotion into. It's like Scotland's a thing that happens every every like every six months. You know, whereas Steny and, and Ray Throwers, your team, that's something that you invest like that's almost every day you're invested into it. And it's like to, you would want to see that investment rewarded at some point. What about if they won next season's Lowland League? Get to fuck. <laughs> to fuck. No, that's supposed to be good because that means at least you'd be coming back out of it. So that doesn't well, count. Unless you lose the playoff. <laughs> unless you lose the playoff. I, that's, I suppose you win the Lowland League, but then you get beaten by, I don't know, uh, a, a resurgent Fort William in the in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, man. Lose no, the no. Banks of D on penalties. 
Oh, that's it. That'd be the worst. I'm absolutely terrified about dropping into the lonely, but my goodness, it could happen this season. Um, here's an interesting one. This actually ties in with a, a bit of discussion we had earlier. So, this is from Lewis McFarlane, who says, at the halfway point of the season, which teams should be pressing the panic button? I think it's fair to say that the teams who, see if we'd recorded this podcast a month ago, I think there'd be a number of teams you could talk about. You'd probably say Stenhouse Muir, Forfer, Clyde, Peterhead. A lot of these teams have already pressed the panic button, changed their managers. Uh, so I think we're quite limited as to the number of sides that, that we can say can press the panic button at the moment. I think there's I think there's two in the championship. Yep. Is that our both uh, in Hamilton Ackies? Yes. Uh, I think there's two that the, the, the panic button is, is well gone in terms of League One. Uh, Queen of the South. Uh well, I mean, if you're if you're saying if you're saying panic button in terms of getting rid of the manager, or just panic button in terms of oh, right. they're, in, they're in big big trouble. Okay, so that'd be Clyde and Peterhead then. Ah, I mean, they are. But they've I mean, they've, pre- they've pressed the panic button. Or they've they've done something about it. They've addressed the issue. But I don't think it'll make any difference whatsoever. Uh, I suppose then when you think panic, but I, I when I say the word panic, but I think it's a change in the manager, and that's right, okay. what they've both done. But I do think I I do agree. I think they're too far gone. Uh, at the the moment, I think they'll finish uh, ninth and tenth. And in League Two, I think there's one. There, there's kind of one team that's starting to stick out now. That that? If you're talking about a team that hasn't pressed the the, the panic button, Bonnie Rig. Bonnie Rig. Now, I would say, Sean, that in terms of teams pressing the panic button, in terms of teams who I don't think would get rid of their managers, regardless of how the season goes, the two managers would be Dick Campbell at Arbroath and Robbie Horn at Bonnie Rig. Uh, I, I, I probably, I, I think I probably right. Uh, I'd be interested to see how much time Rankin still has at, at Hamilton. Mm. I, I haven't looked to see like how long his his contract is uh, or whatever. I, but but I Hamilton the, are in a, a, a poor poor state. Fuck me, man! I was at the Hamilton Queens Park game, Queens Park Hamilton game uh, a couple of week, uh, a couple of weekends ago, uh, where they managed to get three thousand people along for the for the game, which was great to see. It was a, it was a good crowd, albeit. It was a lot of school children who the, the the Queen's Park had done a brilliant job of going into local schools and and getting kids along uh, f- for it. And Hamilton gave it a good go in the first like fifteen minutes or so, but as soon as Queen's Park got their first, Queen's Park absolutely destroyed them. I mean, have you seen the? Presumably, you've seen the goals from that game. It was, uh, and that, and that's ultimately it's not as if it's not as if Hamilton have. Like toiled at times. That has been a, a kind of recurring theme where, from week to week, they generally just don't look good enough to be in the championship. No, no. But they, they look the like a kind of half decent League One team at this moment in time. Sorry, the, the point was coming on to me. You've seen the goals. We talked about how how badly Hamilton Aki's defended there, but it got pretty nasty. I think after the second goal went in, a lot of the Hamilton fans left. Then there was chance of Rankin get to fuck. Then at the as soon as the half time was went, Rankin was straight down the tunnel. There was fans. I think it's quite difficult at Hamden to try and make your like you know to go over to the tunnel to to shout at the manager when he's coming down. But they were certainly making their their displeasure displeasure known in that. And I think that the it's a small online community of Aki's fans, uh, but they they seem just absolutely scunnered with the direction the club's going in at the moment. And I don't know if. Um, Replacing John Rankin can do anything. I suppose it's, it's something. You do something, you give yourself a chance to, to try and arrest the decline. Um, but I think they might be too far gone. They're you know, I, a I, terrible run of form at, at the moment. I, I think you have teams where uh, they could... So 
Peterhead uh, have replaced a manager. Uh, Clyde have replaced a manager. Even if Hamilton do replace a manager, I feel they would be in the same boat as the two clubs I've just mentioned. And what I mean by that is, yes, you can bring in somebody else and they can maybe get something incrementally more out of the squad that they have. But unless there is the ability to have a bit of a churn in January, and I, I suspect there isn't, then who can they catch up with? Like, who can yeah. who can Hamilton catch up with in the Championship? Okay, maybe Arbroath and, and maybe Cove. I, but I, even if you can get more of that squad, I don't think you can. Likewise, in League One, I, I don't think that, that Clyde or... Uh, I don't think that Clyde or Peterhead, even if the, the new manager could get more out of them, can catch up with anybody in that league. I really no. don't. No, I, I think at the, the beginning of the season, I, I, I said that Peterhead would finish rock bottom, Clyde not far behind them. So I think, I mean, at least they've given themselves a chance. Jim Duffy coming in, um, like, you know, he's... <laughs> when you see Jim Duffy associated with your, your club, you're kind of like, oh, it's, it's, the, it's perhaps the least sexy appointment that you could make. However, I think he did get off to a decent start with, at, at Clyde. You know, they drew against Dunfell and then they got a draw against Falkirk. You know, there's, it's, there's, I mean, they scored twice against uh, Dunfermline. There's not many teams that'll be doing that this season. But then since then, losing to uh, losing to Edinburgh City, um, I suppose that's not the worst result in the world. So I suppose the the big game though, Sean, they're playing <coughs> uh, each other in uh, the seventeenth. The so they're playing each other on Saturday. So that's uh, I think that's that's really as a six pointer. Do, do you know something? I, I I do suspect that Clyde will finish ninth and maybe. Maybe that might be enough. You know, so maybe Duffy can give them enough to to get through the playoffs. Like you never know. I, I I'm not so sure. But every time, every every time Clyde make a decision now, I, I kind of think to myself, that's a team that's. And, and to be fair, we've we've said similar about Dumbarton in recent and se- recent seasons in terms of that looks like a team that's that's really on a downward trajectory. Yeah. And worry about them. I, I do think that about Clyde and the fact that they don't have their own stadium. The support feels like it's dwindling. The, the quality of the squad doesn't look very good. I, 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 you worry that Clyde could conceivably be in the Lowland League in, in a couple of seasons. And, and again, their budget probably wouldn't even be that of a, a, a kind of decent Lowland League team. No, no, that is, the, that is the, the big worry. I suppose if they can get the deal at Crown Point over the line, at least they give themselves some some base, some home, some degree of... of uh, a board, some place you can call your own, which I think is really important. But just looking at the league table, I, I actually surprised. I'm not surprised, but I actually can't believe quite how far as if those two sides are from Kelty Hearts and in eighth place. That's that Clyde are 11 points behind them, and Kelty are a side who, whilst I think they've perhaps like underwhelmed a wee bit at times this season, they have pulled out some good results. So particularly against like Falkirk, for instance. Yeah, and Falkirk I- on both occasions. So they're a they're a funny side. They're a difficult side to try and pin down, Kelty. <laughs> And that's just it. So the teams, the other teams in that league that you thought might struggle. So, so we both thought that Edinburgh might not be up to much this season. But the the, te- the other teams that are probably underperforming, can you see either of them overtaking Kelty or Queen of South? Like that's that's just not going to happen. It's almost like which one of those two are going to finish ninth, and then will they get through the playoffs? Uh, I, I have my doubts about either of those. Uh, I have my doubts about the the second scenario. Yeah, I think that whoever finishes, I'm trying to think in the in League Two, certainly the better sides. You've got two above average sides in Dumbarton and Stirling Albion, and I think that 
poor finishing in third. There's it's still up for grabs. We have been quite critical of Stenhouse Muir, but I mean a new manager coming in, who knows? Could could turn could uh, steady that ship and turn around. It's very tight, and I think those third and fourth place are up for grabs. So there's a number of teams that are still in the hunt for that. Uh, so I, I, whoever it is, I'd fancy them to be relegated. Uh, I, I think even as bad as like, for instance, Steny are just now. I'd, I'd fancy this Dennis Muir team to beat Clyde or Peterhead over two games. But one, I, 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 I like the fact that you were only saying within the last ten, fifteen minutes that, that Steny may be in big trouble this season, and now you are uh, discussing a scenario where they may win the, <laughs> the promotion playoffs to League One. Fair play. That is quite the turnaround. Um, like you know, a lot of the time where, where see if it was like a pundit or a journalist, like that was that was coming away with these opinions, you'd just be like, "That guy's full of shit." But me, I'm a fan. That's a, I'm a fickle fan, and I can be fickle in the space of five minutes. That is part of the fun. That is part of the fun of it. But Sean, yeah, perhaps the most interesting side we've spoken about, like the two sides. Then perhaps not the most interesting because I think they're, they're they're similar. But in terms of teams who are, have reached panic stations that we don't think would get rid of their manager, that's um, that's our growth. And, and Bonnie, how do they turn their seasons around? Uh, our growth will need to bring in a striker in in the January transfer window. I, I don't, I, I don't see any way they get out of this without bringing in additional players. I think the uh, the recruitment in the in the summer was was not good. I don't think they've fixed any of the problems that 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 squad had. I, I think Dylan Tate, I, I liked him at Wraith Rovers. I think he, I think he's a central midfielder that you're not entirely sure where he should play. Should he play, should he be an attack-minded midfielder? Should mm-hmm. he sit in front of the defence and try and dictate things? That kind of discussion used to happen at, at Starts Park when he was there. I think our both are, fans are currently having the same discussion about where he fits into their, their starting 11. I think Scott Allen, again on paper, that feels like a really good signing, but Scott Allen's, uh, the high points of Scott Allen's career have generally been making very good through balls to intelligent strikers. Arbroath don't have any strikers. So Scott Allen doesn't really fit into what they want to do at this moment in time. Uh, and of, like we've mentioned it before, but in terms of a, a, a huge uh, a huge part of Arbroath's success last season was their strikers. Uh, who, were, who were who were loan who were loan signers from mm-hmm. Livingston? They haven't managed to replace them. And and to be fair, you wouldn't expect them to replace those two, Jack Hamilton and uh, Joe Nubley, with anybody as as high caliber. However, what they have brought in is is, is so weak, uh, and they they suddenly look like a a poor championship team, and and nobody to protect that kind of aging defence, I suppose. It was really interesting. I saw this a good point that somebody <clears throat> made on our growth forum on Pine Bovril. It's something that I'd actually long suspected for a, for a while, but I just I was never really able to quite articulate it. But this fan actually made a good point. They said that they think that in terms of recruitment, that signing Joel Nubley was amazing for the club, and it feels as though they're just trying to sign another Joel Nubley again by going into like English non-league football and trying to sign another Joel Nubley again. And Joel Nubley is like a, a sort of once-in-a-lifetime player like who comes down from the English like lower leagues and has that big of an impact on, on a team. And they're trying to make lightning strike twice, and it's not happened. And then you could, somebody called a Queen's Park fan came on and said that that it seems that... That's the point. So Ian Campbell, the assistant manager there, had said that there isn't... They're not going to say there doesn't believe there's any like decent players in the lower leagues who can make our both a better side. 
And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. The Queen's Park fan came on and said they have just they signed Grant Savory from Peterhead, who has turned into like a, a real quality player, one of the best he's having a brilliant he's arguably yep. one of the best players in the championship at the moment. They've also signed Scott Williamson um from uh, Canvas Lang Rangers. They took a punt on him. And they're signing a boy from Arthurly. Uh oh, I can't remember his name, Healy. I think it's something Healy. So I, I might be wrong. But they're signing a boy from Arthurly, and you think, well, if Queen's Park are doing it, then obviously Queen's Park are, are perhaps a more attractive club given their location and given the fact they're full-time football. But if Queen's Park are doing it, then, then Arbroath should be able to do it as well. And I suppose that there's the big thing then about Arbroath are putting this uh, new scouting team, Barry Sellers, uh, Craig Ireland, Brown Ferguson. They're the they, they're going to help Dick Campbell and Ian Campbell with the, with their signings. But I just thought that was a bit... A bit strange, and, and it does seem that that one good player has completely altered the the, the thinking about how to how to go about signing players. I, I I understand that point, and if if Dick Campbell has become uh, bewitched with trying to bring non-league players from the the English leagues to to the Scottish Championship and, and to turn them from that, that kind of diamond in the rough or, or whatever, then, then then fair enough. But what he has to remember is Joe Nubley wasn't initially attracted from the English non leagues to Arbroath and yes. their, whatever part time deals that they could that they could present him with, he was attracted to Livingston and a and a full time deal. I, I, I think I, I could be totally wrong and you know something I haven't double checked. I thought Nubley was the division below the the fourth tier of the English League, and again, I could be wrong here, but I think what our both have done is they've brought up players. So, so let, I, I think Newbury came for the fifth tier. Again, could be wrong, but our both have been bringing up players from from divisions below that. So again, you would imagine the kind of hit and miss ratio would be significantly worse than bringing somebody from the English fifth tier. But again, I, I, I don't know. But however, regardless, the fact that they can entice people from Livingston on loan is completely different from enticing somebody from the sixth tier of English football to, to come up. So it, it's weird that he's seems to have kind of ripped up what was essentially quite a successful blueprint for what they've done mm -hmm. over the last five or six years. Yeah, no, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that, Sean. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. As for Bonnie Rigg, and say about Bonnie Rigg, you would say, one thing I would say is that they went on like, you know, real long losing streaks. They've drawn their last four matches. And I suppose that that is an indication that things are turning around when you're turning draws, uh, turning losses into draws. Uh, yes, I agree, but it's one of those situations where uh, I suppose if you are a glass half full you, uh, supporter, you can say, right, if we can just turn these draws into wins, we'll be absolutely fine. But it could absolutely turn the opposite way and suddenly you're turning draws into defeats. So I, I, I still think this squad is one of the weakest in League Two. And I think, again, uh, similar to uh, Clyde and Peterhead, I think some of the teams that you expected to struggle in League Two this season aren't struggling and I don't like you know how like sometimes you'll see a team that's cut adrift or maybe two teams that are clearly worse than everybody else like I think Forfar will pull away I, I really do I don't think Albion Rovers are as bad as as other seasons no. and and that's where Bonnie Rigg might struggle again who are they who are they going to be able to to kind of catch up and overtake without without bringing in additional players in January I'm, I'm not sure I tell you who are fucking rubbish still pulling the pool in Stenhouse you're no bother I'll tell you that for nothing <laughs> You've uh, you've really went. Uh, you've been on a roller coaster since your journey in this podcast. 
Oh my goodness, but that's just one of my fickle fan, absolute Brantano, <laughs> flip-flopping all over the place. That's part of the fun, that's part of the fun. You know, I've, I've said, I, I long suspected after <clears> seeing <throat> them, after seeing them play, um, when Sensu beat them 4-2 uh, early in the season, I thought, this is the worst side uh, I've seen in the division by, by some distance. And even although Stenisweer drew 1-1 with them and Stenisweer were dreadful, Bonnie Rigg were just as bad in, in that game. Like they scored an absolute wonder strike, but it's like their their defenders treat the ball as if it was a uh, what was the stuff that killed Alexander Litvinenko? What was that? Uh, polonium. They treat it like polonium. They want it as far away from them as possible. I, I, they're, they're just a really bad sight, and you're absolutely correct in terms of what you say. Unless there's there's players to come in, like then they, they will. So there are there's like George Hunter's a good player. He's just no fit. Just look at him. You can just tell he's no fit. He's a good player. There are good players in that team, but they're just they're not up to it. And the players that are fit, sorry, there are decent players in the team that aren't fit enough, and the fit players just aren't good enough. That's the that's, well, that's, the that's, a, that's a dreadful mix. A dreadful. But mix. I mean, Robbie Horn showed his players a lot of loyalty uh, when he signed them all on deals. Now imagine the uh, Bonnerig will do the same for him. I think that although they're struggling, I think that it's like to me his job does not seem in any bother whatsoever. Do, do you think it's so, so I fancy breaking to win I know they have to win the, uh, the Highland League first and then win a playoff against the team against the Lone League like, I fancy breaking to to really give whoever finishes as bottom of the table in League 2 a, a, a real good game let's say let's say breaking beat Bonnerick do you think he would get the heave at that point or do you think he would be allowed another run at, at the Lone League I think he'd be mm. allowed another I think it, I, I don't still don't think it dispenses with services at that point no, I think it's, it's one of those ones where, where it's that you are under immediate pressure. You are under immediate pressure, and uh, one bad result, and it's suddenly like, right, this is this isn't working because of the hangover from last season. Kind of similar to what we were talking earlier about Stevie Farrell, where he came into the season under a lot of pressure. So what does he do? He wins his first seven matches, you know, and then but then when, when they stop, they stop winning, and Dumbarton went through a, just a, a very very brief sticky period. The folk are like. It's has got it. It's got it. And I don't know if the same would be. Although I, I do think though Robbie Horn seems to have a, like a, like generally well liked by the Bonnerig supporters. I think their expectations for the season. I think think they're perhaps where they expected to be. I don't want to talk for Bonnerig fans. I mean, I think it was pundits and punters and, and perhaps outsiders who saw how well Cove Rangers and Kelty Hearts had done and think, well, here's a new boy in the division. They're going to go straight up and repeat that. But I think that for, for clever people like ourselves, Sean, we knew, <laughs> we knew that, that that would not be the case and they, they perhaps could see themselves an outside shot for the, the, the top four. And I think that, that perhaps that Bonnerig are, you know, they got that wee bounce right at the beginning of the season where a lot of people were enthusiastic excited when they beat Fourth Athletic, when they beat East Fife, and now you're seeing them at a level they were at. I think that Bonnerig fans would be happy with ninth, to be honest. Said that in the podcast last time we spoke about them, Bonnerig. I want to see them stay in the division, and I want to see them consolidate and build and see where they can go from here. But it's it's just it's like hindsight's a difficult thing. How do you like tell players who have been with the club for so long that that have got you into that position? How do you suddenly just turn around and say to them, "Nah, sorry, we're going to go in a different direction"? You can't do that, and I think that Horn. I think you can. <clears throat> I, I would disagree with that. I, I think you can. I think it's part of management, and I think you have to be as a manager, quite, quite cutthroat. 
Aye, yeah, but I mean, these, uh, yeah, you know, you, I, I see, you're talking if you're going to be completely objective about it, but I don't think it works like that. You do have to... Surely like, management, but, but no, surely management has to work like that. Otherwise, you have a situation where Bonnie Rigger suddenly potentially getting relegated. I'm, I'm too sentimental, Sean. That's my problem. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm reading just now, have you, have you read this before? You had a disaffection before by James Kelman. No, no, does it involve Robbie Horn? Uh, no, it doesn't, but it does involve Yoker Athletic. <laughs> but the, the, the main character in it, but it's, it's perhaps of all the books I've ever read, not since I like when I read Catcher in the Rye when I was like 16, this book is perhaps the most relatable book that I've ever read. And Patrick Doyle, the, the main character in it, he constantly criticises himself for being sentimental. And where does it ever, where does it ever get you? And that's, uh, that's, I feel like, Patrick Doyle, and I'm too sentimental. That's why I would assign yeah. every single one of those Bonnie Rig players. Uh, assign, I'd, if I was Robbie Horn, and we was one that what, we'd beaten Breakin, got into the SPFL, I'd be like, right, four-year contracts for everyone. Way! <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you where it gets you. It gets you relegated back to the Lowland League. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's show business for you. Here's one, this is touching on something we spoke on earlier. This is from Graham Thewlis, who people might be familiar with from the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Graham Thewlis, uh, he wears glasses and asks, are Queen's Park going up? And if so, will it be a disaster? Uh, are they going to go up? No, I, I, I don't think they will. So I have been... No, I, I, no I, I've been impressed sporadically with, with Queen's Park this season, but I, I haven't been so impressed with them that I think they will... that I think they'll win the league. Uh, I, I think... I suspect that Dundee are, are emerging from their slumber and are, are about yeah. to hit the straps, as Joel once said. I, I think Dundee will go on a decent run and, and probably win this league and, and get automatic promotion. That then leaves... I mean, who does that leave? Air... Queen's Park and one other in terms of the playoffs. Morton. Aye, maybe Morton. I, I think in terms of what I've seen, are any of them as good as somebody like Inverness, I, I thought were decent last season, and they were kind of dispensed with fairly comprehensively in the playoffs by a fairly mediocre St. Johnson team. So, so no, I don't think Queen's Park will get promoted. If they do get promoted, I think there'll be a disaster uh, no, because Willie Hockey is, is bottomless pockets, so probably will be able to bring in some players, and they, they may actually like acclimatise okay. But no, I, I don't think that will be an issue this season. I think that Queen's Park will have a, a good season. They may get in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win them, but I can see them slowly progressing and slowly getting stronger and being a genuine championship contender as long as Willie wants to be there uh, in the next couple of seasons. You know, so from having a conversation with the Queen's Park director a couple of weeks ago, I was working at a event at Hamden, they were they were very at pains to... It was a really good conversation, actually, very interesting. But And it's, it's I find it really interesting talking to Queen's Park supporters just about the journey that they've been on, where these guys have followed Queen's Park for decades and have seen them just as a fairly middling, bottom-tier club who occasionally have forays into the division above, where you've won back-to-back -back promotions and now you are on the cusp, you're knocking on the door effectively of getting top flight football. Willie Hoy's money, it's, it's, he's not, and this is this discussion, Willie Hoy's not interested in the playing squad, as it were. Not interested in spending money on getting guys for, for 
big bucks for guys in two years, and that's an avenue that Queens Park could go down. Willie Hawhey could could afford that, no problem. He's more interested in just like infrastructure and building a youth academy and trying to make it like sustainable. I know that's a big word, sustainable, something that everybody wants, but I think it's broadly like well intentioned. Like they've got the guy Marion Bucher who's coming, who seems like a really good fit for Queens Park, and his outline and his vision for for the club. And go by the conversation I had, this guy sounds really, really impressive. Really, really impressive guy. Someone who's very switched on uh, about data, very demanding is what he expects from, from the players, what he expects from even the parents of, of the, the youth players that are there. And it's all about putting the building blocks at play, in place so Queen's can effectively move into the, the, the Premiership. I do think it is a step too far for them. I do think they're a wee bit turbocharged at the moment. I mean, they're going to be playing football in Lesser in January. Lesser's still not finished at the moment. They're, they've got one stand that's built and it's ready for football. It's, um, I don't like saying it, but it gives me big sort of meadow bank vibes. It looked terrible. Like the, the stand I saw looked, you're right, it looked very much like the, uh, the, the, the one stand disaster that they have at meadow bank. But, but just to go back to a, a point that you touched on, are you suggesting that uh, Willie Hockey is not funding the the first team squad and that players like Simon Money can be afforded by a team that has about 300 home fans. That's exactly what I'm saying. So is it so there was the was the, the was the Queen's Park associate saying that, that Willie Hockey has, has not had input in the, the first team squad? That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. Okay. So, like, so that includes like Simon Murray, Dom Thomas, uh, and 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 various other players who will be on, like, not a not not a small sum of money, you would imagine. Uh, Dom Thomas is really buys into the Queens Park project. He's he's taking a wage cut to go there. <laughs> well, you know, so man, fair enough. Uh, I I just, I just thought I would highlight it. I just thought I would highlight it. No, it's it's like, I think. I I, I, I I suppose it's, there, there's some, there are a lot of good players that I suppose are just putting the building blocks in place. Like they've got, seem to have a good relationship. Well, I'm assuming they've got a good relationship with Crystal Palace. They've got the, the boys, Malachi Boateng and David Boateng. He's, Malachi he's, Boateng he's, he's is superb, man. He's so good. Like he, he reminds me a wee bit in the middle of the park, just like, like, Imagine across between Patrick Vieira and David Anderson. If you can imagine such a thing, like he's he's he's, he's huge. The guy's huge, but he's got those big long legs, and he's good at just like dribbling with the ball and sticking his arse across players, and, and you know just be able to take the ball. And he's as good as David Anderson in terms of just the economy of the ball, the passing, and he really is the ballast in the middle of the park that gives Queens Park the rest of the players yep. that platform to go in. And I think that with Simon Murray up front, who can really stretch defences, and guys like. Thomas, Savory, uh, like guys like Josh McPake, uh, Scott Williamson and augmenting them just behind them. They've got a, a really uh, exciting uh, group of players there. But but going back to Graham's other point, are Queen's Park going up? I don't think so. I think you're right in terms of what you say. It's going to be similar to last season. I think Dundee will go up. Dundee look like they're hitting their stride at the moment. I think that they have overcome their difficulties in the season. I think they're playing Cove Rangers at the weekend. And I think that a win against Cove Rangers will go a long way to exercising the getting losing to them early in the season. We lost 3-1 to them. And I think that the team in whoever finishes uh, in 11th, St. Johnson, Dundee United, I think they'll be too strong for them. 
However, I think it's a great time to be a Queen's Park fan and it's all just about, uh, like I say, building for the future. I think they're perhaps everyone at Queen's Park surprised at how quickly things have kicked on. I, I agreed. Uh, I, if I was a, if I was a Queens Park fan, I would be uh, tentatively excited about what the future holds in terms of you have a new stadium on the way, you've got a wealthy benefactor, and as you say, the building blocks are there are already in place in terms of just being a good Championship team that's challenging for promotion. I mean, I mean, if, go back five years, you would never have said that with Queens Park Chisel. No, I remember uh, going to watch Queen's Park side. It would have been the, the year would have been two thousand and fourteen, two thousand and fifteen. It was the Queen's Park side that no, it wasn't sorry. It was thirteen, fourteen. I beg your pardon. It's when Queen's Park were playing their games at Airdrie. Queen's Park were playing their games at Airdrie because the Commonwealth Games in Hamden was being uh, sort of set up. So they could have um, like a running track around it, etc. Uh, and, and that Queens Park side, if you remember the season before, they had guys like Andy Robertson, Lauren Shankland, uh, Neil Parry, um, Jamie Longworth was playing for them. So all like really, really like uh, relatively good players. They all moved on, and Gardner Spears was like, "Well, oh, fuck, we've got, pretty much got to build a, a brand new team from scratch." And he, he, he went into the the junior market again, but. It, did not have the same degree of success he had previously. They were rotten. The guys that just weren't good enough for, for like the SPFL football finished bottom of that table. Gus McPherson had to come in, steady the ship, and, and generally did very well. But, I mean, that's a team that's finishing bottom of the the SPFL to now who are a credible contenders for the playoffs. I suppose, in a way, it's quite like uh, our both last season, but I think that Queen's Park just seemed more credible in that regard because of... The, the, who's 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 backing them, and the fact they're full time, and 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 all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so maybe the maybe the relegation trapdoor from League Two is a terrible thing. So like Montrose have went from being involved in it to being a, a very good League One team. Definitely. Park uh, challenging to get into the Premiership. Maybe what we need to do is uh, dispense with relegation from League Two. Listen, if it means Dennis Muir stay up, then no, oh, I am, I am all for it, mate. I am, I am all for it. No, listen, it's like uh, as someone who's been a massive advocate of relegation from the SPFL. As soon as my team's involved, pull up the drawbridge. And uh, all seriousness, I just well, I want to go on record and saying I think the relegation is a great thing, but you just need to ease the movement backwards and forwards so it isn't uh, as grievous as it could be. I agreed. Absolutely agreed. Here's one from David Kemp. Who will win League Two, and why is it Dumbarton? Uh, it won't be Dumbarton. Ooh, uh, it won't you, be Dumbarton. Are you saying? Are you saying David Kemp's full of shit? <laughs> just, just what it sounds like. Uh, on this topic, uh, uh, yes. Uh, let's face it. Like David Kemp is full of shit. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> no, you know, so I just think Still and Albion have more about them. I think Dumbarton are. Squad strength-wise, kind of punching above their weight. I think they are stodgy to play against. I, but I, I do think Stirling have got more about them. I think they have uh, more goals uh, in their team in terms of uh, Dale Carrick. And I think, uh, if I was to if I was to put money on a team, it would be it would be Stirling to win that tier. Oh, I. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at Dumbarton. You know who Dumbarton are playing on Saturday? I don't. 
They're playing Stenhouse Muir. So there you go. There's a great way for them to extend their lead at the at the top of the table. I think I, I thought that coming down the Barton had a good squad, they had a capable squad that would that would challenge for the playoffs. They they've they've gone above my expectations. I think that the season is a marathon, not a sprint, and I think that that incredible start to the campaign they had, where they they, they won seven games in a row, that's like effectively like almost been an insurance policy. So when they did go through that wee run where they, they I think they they lost two and drew two in the space of four games, um, that's obviously that's obviously disappointing. However, that that wasn't didn't completely knock them off their stride. And I do think that, that Sterling Albion are, are decent, but I think that, that is it Robert Thompson has uh, got a wee knock at the moment and isn't isn't able to to play. So I just think that, that, that I I I'd, I'd still fancy the button, but I do think Sterling will run them will run them close. Oh, no, Robert Thompson. Robert Thompson scored at the weekend. That's well, well, so fucking much. I know. There you go. Uh, did you did you not say at the start of the season that uh, Stenny would finish above Sterling Albion? They would finish mid table. Then you had some kind of back and forth with Danny Denham. Are you, like Sean, like I say, I'm a fan, I'm Brantano, a flip-flop, I'm fickle. I can get away with these things. Like, I did, I said to I said to Danny Denham, I said, one mortgage payment that, St- <laughs> that Stennis Muir would finish above Stirling Albion. One mortgage payment. And uh, I, like, hindsight's a great thing. I wish I hadn't said that now because it's not going to happen. And I am financially embarrassed. I had to put my car in the garage earlier in the week. £680 for a new accelerator pedal and a new window wiper unit. I, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about cars, but that's expensive. That's expensive. It's just a fucking pedal. You're just standing it all the time. These things are supposed to be robust. I, I also don't know a lot about uh, cars, but surely you don't stand on it. Oh, you maybe, that, maybe, that's, it. maybe that's where it went wrong. <laughs> like I'm, I'm driving standing up like I'm fucking Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Dri- driving a portmobile. <laughs> I am going to say Stirling Albion will win that division. They have they have a better squad than, than Dumbarton. I've been impressed by Dumbarton. However, uh, the the binos have more about them. The binos, it's the binos. Well, you know something. I said once said the binos, and they got a hard time about it. Who gave you a hard time? I can't remember, but they said it's not the, the binos; it's the binos. Uh, oh, oh, right, well, well, I'm almost called the Beanos, so uh, if any Southern Albion fans are listening into this, I've made it this far, this is, the record's going in for an hour, Sean, <laughs> fucking hell, still got loads of questions to get through, um, uh, please let us know, is it, is it Binos, as in, I support, I, I, like, what would it be in, which is why I've always said the Beanos. I, I, that's, I think, the, the, the Binos, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to put it in a sense, I'm trying to put it in context, I support the binos. <laughs> That's the only context I can think to to to, to put it in. Um, I do do let us know. Do do let us know if that's the if that's the case. Um, now here's an interesting one. We've got two wrestling based questions that are oh, yeah. in the same thing. This is from Sean Elderbrand, <clears throat> a bloody good guy, and somebody f- called Greg Playfair. I think it's Playfair the name of a, a, a brand of condoms. If not, it should be. Um, effectively, though, Sean, we have to pick. Four league, lower league superstars, past and present. Fuck me. We have to pick four lower league superstars, past and present, to fight for us at the pay-per-view Survivor Series. Who are we going for? So I'll be honest, my, my wrestling knowledge isn't great, but I've, I've tried my best. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so firstly, I've went for John Fredrickson. 
And so, so basically my, my thoughts on this are he, he isn't good at anything, but he's very tall. So okay. I suppose he could, he could be like the great Kali. Oh, yeah, he was terrible. Oh, uh, he was rubbish. He killed a guy in the ring. Oh, Not shit. the ring, but he was, but he was training. He was training, he gave somebody a flapjack and, and uh, Brian Ong, I think his name was. So, so wait, is a, is a flapjack a wrestling move or a, 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 a cake? <laughs> did he give, did he give <laughs> him a poison flapjack or, he, or just a wrestling move? He gave him a cake and killed him. <laughs> uh, the death of Brian Ong, let's see what it says. Yeah, it was a flapjack, uh, the wrestling move. It's like you pick them up and drop them. Ong suffered a concussion. Uh, uh, that's it. So uh, he wasn't wearing protective gear. It was... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't the great Khalees. Well, it was he gave him the flapjack, but it was uh, he shouldn't have been Brian Ong shouldn't have been wrestling in the first place. All right, okay. Uh, the the great Khalee, I I I think I only ever watched one. So bear in mind, all of my wrestling knowledge is from the kind of probably mid nineties or mm -hmm. early nineties actually. Uh, but for some reason, I have seen one great Khalee fight, and it was against it was against the Undertaker, and it was was that a Punjabi prison match? Oh yes. That, that oh, was yeah, as bad as it gets. Aye, that's considered to be one of the worst, uh, one of the worst wrestling matches of all time. Oh, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. You know this guy, Frederick. This yeah, guy Fredrickson reminds me of. Uh, Do you ever see like early nineties WCW WWF? The guy Giant Gonzalez, El Gigante. He fought like he was huge. Like he was this Argentinian guy. He tried out at basketball, didn't work. Came to wrestling, and he was massive. But he had problems with his bones because he's so big. So he had problems with his bones, and he couldn't move around the ring. He couldn't. He couldn't move. Uh, but he was huge, and he fought Undertaker at, at WrestleMania Nine. I think it is considered to be one of the worst. Uh, one of the worst main events at WrestleMania of all time. Uh, that's probably John Fredericks, and he's like uh, El Gigante. So yeah, a big wrestler who gets put in main event matches with nowhere near for it. That's a John Fredrickson. I, I suppose my my main question from what you just said there was, why did you say bones so funny twice? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just think of that Norm Macdonald thing. I walked through blood and bone in the streets of Manhattan. So that's that's where it was coming from. <laughs> it was <laughs> Canada. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. So uh, right. So we've got John Fredrickson. John Fredrickson's first name in the team sheet. So I, I, I felt I needed uh, somebody that the, the fans could, could hate, that really okay. dislike. It, oh. it has to be Josh Falkingham. Oh! It has to be Josh Falkingham. Nuclear heat. Nuclear heat. Oh, uh, tell me, other than, other than <clears throat> our Broth and Dunfermline supporters, is there anyone in Scotland that likes him? No, no, everybody hates him. Everybody hates him. And I, I, I regard myself as somebody who... Uh, I, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I, I don't think I'm above anybody. But I, I, I do sometimes sit at the Rovers on a Saturday and think, why are you getting so worked up? Why are you screaming and shouting and booing and swearing and get yourself so worked up? Like, who cares? However, see, when it comes to Josh Falkingham, I was in the exact same position. He, there was something about him, something that really, something that really kind of just grinded my gears. And he was the last lower league SPFL footballer where I just screamed obscenities at him uh. whenever possible and however by the same token I would have gladly had him in that Wraith Rovers team oh, and I would gladly have him I would gladly have him in my Survivor Series team 
He was a smashing player, Josh Falk. I remember seeing him playing for our broth. It was him and Paul Sheeran in the middle of the park when our broth won the first ever league title and they complimented each other so well. And then he went on to captain Dunfermline, did did very well with Dunfermline. So he was a good player. I think that's what, I mean, because you can just be a wee gobshite and just have none to back it up. Yeah. But I think the fact that he was mm-hmm. a good wee player and he got yeah. stuck in and he complained to referees and he was he always had his teammates, but he's a sort of, you love to hate, aye. Nuclear heat, that's a good shout. That's a very good shout. I, I also have Callum Higginbotham, kind of, kind of going with that kind of Dunfermline trend. He, for me, A, he looks like he would be into wrestling, which I think would help, and B, he looks like he would he would know what he was doing. Like he's had, he's had some really terrible haircuts down the years, but he has haircuts that would complement being involved in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I think he also winds up uh, opposing fans. So I've had him. And then lastly, lastly, I went for somebody who in the last, inexplicably for the last 18 months, has been winding up fans because of how he wears his shorts. And he has, he has taken to wearing his shorts like he is wearing small wrestling trunks. Uh, is this Mr. Shalem Logan? This is Mr. Shalem Logan. Now again, I... I've been. I went to a Cove Rangers game last season. Uh, they were at home to geez, over the, maybe at home to Dumbarton, uh, and I was slightly embarrassed at how the the away fans were in, so incensed at how he was wearing his shorts. I'm like, like there's guys in their forties shouting at him, like, uh, come on now, geez, oh man, real your da part here. But regardless. He, uh, the way he wears his shorts, it's a kind of wrestling type uniform, so maybe he would like to get involved, I don't know. Yeah, that's the all very good shouts. Now, my thinking for, for my Survivor Series team short, it was broadly thinking this long same thing as well. I want a, a circus attraction. I want something that no one likes. I want a high flyer to improve the crowd. And I want someone who's like a big game player, like a, a John Cena type, a big match John. Now, for my circus attraction, I went for a guy called Paul Miller, who used to play for Elgin City. He was a striker. He was six foot ten, right? Was he six foot eight or six ten? Doesn't matter, he was huge and shite, but it doesn't matter. So he's effectively my great Khali, my El Gigante. He, so he, he, he's, he's grappling Fredrickson in this scenario. He is basically, can you imagine they both get tagged in the ring at the same time, just two big burlies, the crowd are going, hey, and then it's just really big slobber because these guys are shite wrestlers, just really battering lumps at each other, but doing it in a really sloppy, like inefficient way. That's what Paul Miller's would be like. I'm sure the story was that Paul Miller worked for the, and it might be wrong, I might have read this wrong, but he worked for the RAF base in Lossiemouth, so he couldn't play away games for Elgin, so he works on Saturday, so he could only, he could only play home games. Lucky I don't Elgin. know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure he was six ten. He was enormous, but he just wasn't very good. He just wasn't very good. Like a big, a big, a big galoot striker. Absolute big galoot. Um, and I could just imagine him and John Ferguson going with each other. Be horrendous. Imagine playing the pair of them up front. Oh, it'd be rubbish. Never score in a million years. Just, just elbows and bones. That's but you, all but it would you, be. But you played really neat football, and the two of them couldn't understand it. <laughs> Now, the, the the second player, this is a bit of a deeper cut, and I don't think many fans outside Stenhouse Muir and Queen of the South will be familiar with this player, but for the for the Heat player I want, it's a guy called Naya Joseph, and again, for the exact same reasons you just mentioned there about like 
your dad getting wound up about stuff. He played somehow played eighteen championship games last season for Queens. Queen admittedly, a Queen, admittedly a Queens team that were relegated. But he signed for Stenhouse. You know, he thought, well, you know, he's come from the championship to League Two, so you imagine he's, he's he'll do all right. Not the case. And on top of that, he's got lilac hair. And he wears like a short sleeve shirt with gloves. He came on. He came on as a subby at the weekend there, wearing a short sleeve shirt and gloves. Right, so, 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 Craig. So, so, uh, well, I just have to tell you there is you've you've now descended into your dad. I'm the I am your dad. So, so I realise that. Well, a, a short sleeve, like it's your extremities that get cold. A, a short sleeve shirt and gloves is absolutely fine. It's your ex, in, in this scenario, it's your extremities that get cold. So you have to annoyed. cover your fingers. I know I was annoyed. That's the thing. I, was, I know I was annoyed. Completely irrational, completely irrational, but I was annoyed he's given me, he, I, I, like, if he didn't play for me, like, somebody go and put a big tackle on him, somebody go and tackle him, and that's annoying, and that's what I'd be, he'd be the equivalent of my X-Pac, he would be X-Pac, just in there, just annoying, and you'd really want to see him get his comeuppance, and really want to see him, uh, John Fredrickson hit him with a drop kick or something like that, John Fredrickson couldn't hit anyone with a drop kick, um, but you know what I mean. So I've gone for that. Now, I want a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. I want someone that will take the ball from the top rope. Someone take the ball from the top rope, <laughs> mix my metaphors there. <laughs> uh, but I want someone who's, who, who'll do high-flying, high-risk moves, and Bobby Lynn. That's the that's the one I want to do. And I can imagine for Bobby Lynn's finisher, he puts a trash can over them. He's a bin <laughs> man. And he starts like, he gives somebody like a drop kick uh, while they've got a trash can over their head. What, what was um, Shane McMahon's finisher, the coast to coast, where the ball, uh, where he's got them in one corner and he jumps and does a two-footed kick from one corner to the other? Oh, I, I, I don't know, because I stopped watching wrestling about 1993. Oh, I should give it a go. Wrestling, wrestling's great. Wrestling's, uh, wrestling's really good. Uh, so for Bobby Lynn, like a total fan's favourite, somebody that will pull it all the stops, somebody that will go the distance, and someone who's getting better as he gets older. He looks like he could handle himself in uh, in the squared circle. Did you ever watch the videos of him doing the boxing training? Uh, yes, he, he he looked okay. I don't know how good a boxer he is, but I wouldn't want to. I would fight Bobby. I, Lynn, I, I would you know. want to fight Bobby Lynn. I want to. I mean, I just I couldn't imagine myself in a position where. Bobby Lynn would, and I would be violent towards one another. I wonder what the circumstance would be if Bobby Lynn and I were, were in a position where, where things did turn violent. How? What would the circumstances be? If you criticised uh, Arbro's hospitality. Nearly there, folks, nearly there. Or, or Femininus. Apparently Bobby Lynn loves Femininus. Does he? I, I don't know, I've made that up. Right, okay. Um, I know Fermanus doesn't like me, because I remember when a view from the terrace came back. <laughs> remember when a view from the terrace came back, he was like, well done to Craig Fowler, Joe Sked, Sean McGuigan, Robert Borthwick. Can't wait to see he's back in the box. Well, you know something, you can't... That's what happens when you criticise people on uh, that's, the podcast. That's it, is people, people tend not to like you. And, and so, yeah. listen, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Exactly. I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too bothered. What's, what's he going to do? Stop selling berries to me. <laughs> I'm not Marks and Spencer. <laughs> what about... Uh, so what I was thinking about, so we have, we have teams uh, for uh, Survivor Series. Is there such a thing, is there still such a thing in the wrestling as managers? Yes, yes. Okay, because uh, I was thinking Jim Spence could be a, a wrestling manager. 
Like, I could imagine him embracing that. I could imagine him uh, managing a team of wrestlers called the Thin Blue Line. Oh, they, there we go. There we and go. They, they all dress like the big boss man. I mean, not not well, now. Not now because he, he, he's probably just like a, a, a skeleton <laughs> in a, a, a skeleton in a dated suit. I mean, like big you, boss man in the early 90s. Did you ever see the big boss man uh, when he had the feud with Big Show and uh, like tied Big Show's father's coffin to a car and drove away with it? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. That was, a, that was an unusual time. An unusual that was time. it. I wonder who's, who's pitching these ideas, who's writing this, and then the big show runs off the coffin, jumps on top of it, and then falls off as he's been driven away. Uh, I, J- Jim Spence, um, and then uh, I, and then they turn against him and waterboard him and accidentally kill him. In kayfabe, in kayfabe though, this, this is all in storyline. This is all, and Jim Spence has written off television for a wee bit. Uh, hey, that, that's a, that's a, uh, Survivor Series teams. My, sorry, I, my, my final was going to be a big, my, big player for the big occasions, Mark McGuigan, because he always, of course, uh, the big moments. He always, he always turned up. So he was like, he was like Stenhouse, who was the equivalent of John Cena. He scored a goals against uh, Falkirk, against Aberdeen, against Queens Park, against Waterford. Big man for the big occasions. And uh, and could play the guitar. And could play the guitar. Aye, uh, get him and guitar, Jim Spence and harmonica. <laughs> Let's just get him on guitar, shall we? Let's, uh, let's see who could have who would I want as manager? Um, oh, Sarah O from uh, <laughs> from Scott Sport. That was a strange time for uh, for Scottish football broadcasting. Uh, it really was. It really was. Our Graham Spears played the piano at the end of the show. <laughs> I, I mean, at least he was talented. That's it. So there you go, uh, Jim Spencer harmonica, Graham Spears on piano, Mark McGuigan on guitar. What a band! Right, uh, this is one from from Mark Collins. Has there ever been a time you slaughtered a player or manager on a podcast, but met them later and they've actually <clears throat> been pretty sound? So, I I was trying to think, but I don't think we have. I think uh, I think we've obviously had a a kind of end joke about. Ryan Porteous about how, how where his career will go and, and how good a player he is. However, it's very much tongue in cheek. Uh, so that's the only player where we've said, "Yep, he'll end up at Kuna South, and he's been on the show." And and he was. I mean, I, I thought I thought Portis was absolutely sound, but but like his his ability in terms of uh, how good a player he is has always very much been tongue in cheek. The only time I think that somebody has been on the show. And there's been genuine concerns off the top of my head was when Craig Levine was on and Fowler and Joel were worried because they'd written things that may have been not particularly complimentary about him in the past. I think that was summed up where when Craig Fowler had a tear in his eye at this point and said to him, do you know I'm named after you? And Craig Levine could not give a solitary fuck. Do you remember? Do you remember? He's, 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 he's like, you know, the, my, 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 I was conceived after Hearts as a, a win or whatever. Um, and, and, and he said, and my parents said that I could, my, my dad wanted to name me after after one of the, the Hearts team that won that game. And the only name they could agree on is Craig. My, my, my favourite Craig Levine moment on the show was when he, so we'd obviously we'd spoken to him for about 
I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, upstairs, then went downstairs to record, and he had a bottle of water, and then he had a, a kind of, so we all have mugs, obviously next to us, but he had the bottle of water kind of sitting out so you could see it, and then he was asked if he could put his bottle of water in the mug, but then he just literally placed his bottle of water in the bottle into the mug, and nobody could work out, right, are you being funny? Or are you being a you, widow? Or, yeah, or are or you literally just thick? Yeah, do you have learning difficulties? <laughs> turns out, turns out <laughs> it was all the above. <laughs> <laughs> but there was literally like a 30 seconds where I was like, oh, this is awkward. But uh, someone, he, was, he was just having a laugh. He was he was funny. He was he was very, very funny. I think it's, it's such a dry sense of humour and I can understand why some people might not take them. I thought he was I thought he was absolutely hilarious. Oh, I no. thought he was absolutely hilarious. Who's been your favourite guest on a view for the terrace? Oh, I kinda got asked this it's not generally you that asked me this and I can never really remember. Uh G- generally me, but I've like asked you often who your favourite guest is. Well well you you generally ask me this like I feel like two or three times a series and I can never really remember. Uh well tell me, well who's yours? Uh, probably Lewis Stevenson. So uh, I would say was... Lewis Stevenson because just the section was so good, and it was listening to him talk about what was an incredible day. I just thought it was incredible. I just thought it was amazing. Just his reaction. I was properly like like buzzing off him. And I suppose uh, it was great with Ryan Porteous, although we were quite limited to what we could talk about. But the fact that he was buzzing, you could still you could actually feel it off him for having played so well for Scotland and gotten them into the uh, the the playoffs. Uh, no, what, what did we do against Ukraine? That was 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 it the we got promoted? I oh, actually won the Nations League, bigger part of the Nations League, and he was buzzing, and everyone was buzzing off him, so that felt good. But Lewis Stevenson was, was my uh, was my favourite. What about uh, what about Kenny Miller? He he really seemed to to, to enjoy yourself. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> um, just I don't, don't don't think him and I, him and I clicked. I, I made a joke. It wasn't taken the the correct way. It's uh, these these things happen. These these examples show business. That's, that's Hollywood, baby. That's listen. Any time I have a setback in my life, be it uh, professionally, romantically, with my with my health, I just say, hey, that's show business, baby. Uh, Craig, I've had a great time with you, uh, but I can't see it going any further forward. Just think we're incompatible, but good luck going forward. That's show business, baby. Right, now this is this is the question of the this is the que- pick of the bunch of the questions, and this is one that uh, we are going to uh, donate fifty pounds to a charity of your choice. And is this that is Armageddon? Part- this is Armageddon question. Thank yes. goodness. This Thank is goodness. Uh, from part-time fan. And it's an asteroid is hurtling towards the planet. You are both Bruce Willis's Harry Stamper from Armageddon. However, instead of pals from the drilling industry, you are each required to assemble a team <coughs> of lower league footballers to go into space and save the planet. So pick a, a team of five. Pick a team of five. So I've, I've probably done slightly more than that, uh, but okay, I'll, I'll okay. try and justify it. And okay. so what I've done is I've, uh, I've I've tried to give characters who kind of marry up with the film Armageddon and, Very good. and just players I would like to see go into space, I suppose, Very ultimately. Good. Very good. Okay, so who is... Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you how I, how I went first, right? I thought that, I mean, I'm not much of a captain, I'm not much of mm-hmm. a leader, but I need an old head there yep. who is going to tie everything mm-hmm. together, going to use his experience, his good nature, and his his will to to get through forward and put that nuclear bomb inside the asteroid. First name of the team sheet, Alwa Captain Andy Graham. 
simply the most charismatic man I've ever met in my entire life, and I include Sir Alex Ferguson in that, and just an absolute hero. And I, I would, uh, I remember have done a podcast with him in 2019, a Pele podcast. I remember afterwards thinking, I want to run to the Himalayas because that's how good you've made me feel. So I, I have a similar pick in terms of a, a, a leader, but I am the, the reason I picked him is because I, I just want to hear his his voice and his accent again, and I've went for Sean Dillon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when we got him on the show? And yes. we, we, we basically said, please don't swear while you're being filmed. And then as soon, literally as soon as the camera stopped rolling, he, he said the word cunt. <laughs> so, but but in that Irish accent, it, it, it felt fine. It felt absolutely fine. So, the, 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 now, I was thinking who would be the Ben Affleck type? The sort of uh, mav little maverick who needs to be brought under under control and knows if he's got all the talent there and can use it for good. DT23, Mr. Dominic Thomas. That's what I've gone for. He's the Ben Affleck type where you're not sure if you want him to marry your daughter. You've got a couple of doubts about him. However, if you if you put your trust in him, like Owen Coyle's done for Queen's Park, he will get you out of the muck. Okay, I, I, I totally get that. So I, I have taken that from a slightly different perspective because obviously in in the film Armageddon uh Bruce Willis wasn't entirely happy that, that Ben Affleck was was sleeping with his daughter. And in uh felt I felt he didn't have to do it. He was trying to shoot him with a shotgun on a on an oil rig, uh, which, which oh, felt, yeah. felt like something he didn't have to do. So then I was saying, right, so what in SPFL recent history has been similar to this? Uh so the only thing I was able to come up with in terms of something similar was uh, I thought we could bring David Carson and Michael Garding. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I know that's not like uh, father of of a girl and then and somebody's going to be seen. But it's, it's that, 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 that fallout, that fallout is mm -hmm. there and maybe they can come together while trying to save the planet okay. and, and blow up an asteroid. There's one, I was thinking of someone, who is the first person I'd want to be killed by an asteroid? Uh, Dean Brett from Bonnie Rig Rose. <laughs> uh, I'll, I... Just say to, I'll just say to him, oh, listen, we can hear something outside the spaceship. Can you go outside and have a look? He goes outside the spaceship, just takes off and cuts the cord, just leaves him to, to float away in space. It, it occurred to me that there was a lot of... Nah, that, were they in the International Space Station or were they just in some kind of non... Some kind of generic space station. It's been years since I've last seen it. Right. So, but regardless, they had to kind of save that. And there was a lot of climbing involved. So we need somebody who's good at climbing. Martin Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to... Don't going to argue with that. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of footballers who climb. He's the only one that, uh, that, that, that springs to he's, mind. He's the SBFL's best climber. Is I um, <laughs> Jesus Christ? Uh, so, well, well, so that's the only ones I could think of, Sean. I was trying to think of like the grizzled one. I suppose you kind of want uh, well, you. You keep going with your list. Then who else? Who else do we have on it? Uh, I've got uh, I've got Paul McGowan because he like he's got a lot of free time. So going into space and drilling into an asteroid, it just keeps him busy. <laughs> just good shout again. <laughs> Move on, move on from the Armageddon one. 
I think we've we've uh, we've gone down a. Uh, we've, we've gone down. Grant Gillespie. Oh. Grant Gillespie. Grant. I'd love to see how his how his wig copes in uh, zero G atmosphere. So just Paul McGowan. <laughs> Paul McGowan's hair looks great. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I'm, is he? What's he doing with it? Oh, it looks fantastic. Uh, I, I seen a picture of it maybe two or three days ago, and he literally looks like he has a, a full head of hair. You have to say fair oh. play, fair play to him. Fair play to his uh, wages and fair play to those Turkish magicians. He's, they've I, done a very good job. I would say good for him because the like. I'm just looking at pictures of him now because I look like one of those plants that 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 like ivy that that comes down that big and it's just really wide at the sides. You're just drawing more attention to. It. No, it looks, uh, it looks I, very well. It looks very well. Good, good. Listen, I come from a position of strength. I've got really good hair. Mm-hmm. I've got really good. No hair. getting away from it. So. There's, there's, there's no, there's no getting away from it. Just, there's, just too bloody much of it. Uh, I suppose they use that to keep out the. But, the but, you're, but, but, but you've literally chosen to grow it because you were going for a, a Charlie Mulgrew look. Yeah, I. It's just, I'm, I'm just trying to get it as long as I possibly can. Quite fancy it being like. So I quite like the idea of walking down the street and somebody say, "Oh, is that the guy from View from the Terrace, or is that one of Def Leppard?" <laughs> I quite like that. That's that. I quite like that idea. Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I often think that myself. Okay. Now this is from Scott Young. Who would win a charity match between Claude Elka's Wraith Rovers and Scott Booth's Stenhouse Muir? I I think about this often. So, uh, so bear in mind we are specifically talking about Claude and Elka's Wraith Rovers. Mm-hmm. This is a team that didn't lose. They lost a lot of games in the championship. There's no getting away from it or Division 1, as it would have been at the time, but they were very rarely levelled. And I, although I can't say it as fact, what I would say is, if anybody disagrees, then they're probably wrong. But Gordon DL's Wraith Rovers team, the next season, was mm-hmm. worse than Claude Anelka's team. You said that before, yep. And God, uh, Gordon DL's Wraith Rovers team finished 7th in the 3rd tier. But I regard them as worse than Claude and Elka's team. Mm-hmm. Scott Booth's Dennis Muir were 7th in League One, I think, when he was when his services were dispensed with. No, I thought so looking at it logically, I think that Wraith Rovers would win a dreadful game of football by one goal to nil. What were, what were your pre-season friendlies in that game? You go down to Berwick Rangers and lose. So uh, it was funny because I... So there wasn't any Twitter at the point, so we had a, a, a tournament in, it was either in Gretna or Stranraer, I can't remember, but we, there was a victory against Gretna and a victory against Stranraer, and I was like, well, I mean, at Gretna, Gretna have a good, they're a good team. It, <laughs> it, it turned out that our penalty victory over Gretna uh, was against our under-19 team. But I didn't realise that at the time. However, we we did win that tournament. Uh, but 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 yes, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good team. I I if I had to to put money on it, I I think we would beat Scott Scott Booth Denny. See, looking back at Scott Booth Stenhouse Muir, I think that Booth had a reasonably good group of players at his disposal. He had a good goalkeeper and, and he signed Greg Fleming, who's a like you know, just a very, very good lower league goalkeeper. Yeah, Tim, they had good centre backs like Stuart Greach and Ross McMillan, um 
guys like that. Some Brian Hodge is a good central midfielder. Martin Graham didn't really work out for, for him. Extend he'd been good previously. Colin McMenamin. Um, Kieran Miller was part of that team, so there were good players in that team. However, I think that I don't think they were at their best, and they weren't at their best because he didn't like Scott Booth. Like he had a what's the opposite of an anti-galvanizing effect? What's the opposite players? of an anti an anti-galvanizing effect? A galvanizing effect. <laughs> <laughs> what's the opposite of galvanizing? Because that's what Scott anti-galvanizing. Booth. Anti-galvanizing. Anti-galvanizing. Scott Booth had an anti-galvanizing effect, and I think the team were lesser than the sum of their parts. He did, however, sign a lot of rubbish players. Like, he signed guys like Ryan Miller and, and Paul John Slund, guys who are just nowhere near good enough for, like, like League One football. Uh, I suppose that you can say if I was a different manager, it's not... I think it'd be an absolutely dreadful game of football. It'd be like a, a Challenge Cup first-round game. That's the vibe I'm getting from this. Challenge Cup first-round game, 1-0 to Wraith Rovers. Uh, I think that... Uh, I think Wes Daly scored the win in the last minute. Who's Wes Daly? Uh, a guy we got on loan from Queen's Park Rangers. He was absolutely... Oh, see the worst... Was he... Was he about, I think what you said, was Wes Daly worse than the French guys? No, no, as bad as it gets. Absolutely as bad as it gets. I, I believe... I believe it was something to do with the documentary we were supposed to be making, but that, that never happened. That's amazing. What a time. What a time. There, there, there's surely... Uh, there must be like archive footage to go back and look at Claude Nelson. And that's perhaps something to do in A View for the Terrace. To do, you know, they did that that ten minute thing on Rutherford and Ladies. Don't do that. Go and, go and, go go to the BBC. Get the archive from like uh, Football First, and, and let's go and see what it was like. Get John Hollinson camera. Derek get, Johnson. Uh, get Derek Johnson camera. Get them. Get them talking about. Uh, get Ian Davidson talking about his, his time there. Let's find out. Uh, let's find out more about that. that's an incredible time of football. Um, and I suppose it's the sort of thing that that you can. Everyone else can have a laugh. You can have a laugh in hindsight, but the time must have been horrendous. Uh, that was shit. Our <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, final question. This is from Dave. And this is, if you had to be half of a pantomime horse with a current lower league player or manager, who would you choose and why? And most importantly, which end of the horse would you be? So, uh... So, I'll I, I tell you what I've went with here. So, I think... So, I would like to be at the back of the horse, I think. Okay. Well, let's say I'm, I'm at the back of the horse. Or, or pantomime cow. Is there such a thing as a pantomime cow? Probably. Uh, well, it's the same principle, isn't uh, it? It's, it's just uh, that you're, you're at the back of a, a, four-legged, a four-legged animal. So, I think we need somebody at the front who has high direction, but okay. is uh, conscious of where you are. So I think Lee Bullen is gives high direction, but it's conscientious of of everybody else. I, I, I quite like Lee Bullen uh, from from what I've seen and, and what I hear. So, like to try and give a bit of context, let's say I was at the the rear of a pantomime horse. Lee Bullen would say things like, "Right, uh, we need to go and speak to the widow Twanky." Uh, so, on my on my left. Let's go, and then we, we would do that. And I say, right, and I need to speak to Mother Goose, and then he would he would direct me, or we need to go to the somebody else who, who's involved in a, in a in a pantomime. So I think he would give high direction, but he would be conscientious of the fact that my face is up his arse. Yeah, there's there's no getting away from it, Sean. If you're in the pantomime horse, you're going to be sucking someone's butt. 
And you want somebody who's respective of that. And I think Lee Bullen would. Do you think there'd be managers that, that wouldn't and would deliberately like 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 crack wind on you? John Hughes. John Hughes, would, be, John Hughes would fart in your face and laugh about uh, it. Aye, he, he would be bollock naked under the, the, the suit. <laughs> he would, for a laugh. He would become bollock naked in, in the suit. He would he would yeah. take off his pants while he's, un, while he's in the cow suit. Nah, just for a laugh. Like, John, this aye. isn't what I signed up for. Aye, well, you're signing up for it now. <laughs> um, who, who I, want? I, I, I was thinking about this. I suppose I've, been, I've, I've got a... I can't be bent over for too long, uh, so I'd have to be at the front. <laughs> I've got a sore back. I get, I get, I get uh, a sore back if I'm in certain positions for a while. Um, so I, I, I don't think I could, uh, I don't think I could do that. So I would want to be at the front, and who would I want behind me? I, I want you want someone powerful behind you. You yeah, want you, someone. You do realise that being at the front of a, a pantomime horse or cow that, that still involves bending over, whether you're at the front or the back. Or no, so. no, no. You're standing. Another person's bent over, and that's a joke. That's, that's, a a centaur. Centaur. that's a pantomime. That's a pantomime. That's a pantomime giraffe slash centaur. Was it? What was it? Was it a centaur? It was the ones they had the the body of a horse, but the I'm going from on my Google search here. You know, a, a body of a man and the rear of a. That's right, horse or something. I I'd, I'd rather have the the body. Of, what would you rather have? The, the the body of a horse and the torso of a man, or the torso of a horse and the body of a, a man. I'd I'd rather just play the bottom of a, a pantomime horse and then just be normal when when the show finished. Ah, no, you can't. That, these are the rules. You're gonna have to be a centaur or a man with a horse's head. <laughs> uh, a centaur. Yeah. I, no, no. Listen, I would take the body of the horse. I think it'd be really difficult to buy trousers. <laughs> I, I suppose it'd be difficult to buy t-shirts that you can get your get your head over. But nevertheless, I think uh, it'd be really, you'd have to get your trousers online, and I think it'd be really embarrassing. Uh... <laughs> Wouldn't it be embarrassing buying trousers online? I, no, just go in places, like, <laughs> go out for a meal. Like, you'd have to get to go to a restaurant and get him to, like, put hay down so you could lie down in it while you, while you went for your meal. But at least, I mean, if you were dressed up, was there not a Daft Punk video uh, where there's a guy as a, a, a big dog with a, a, a crutch? He's just walking around. He's got a ghetto blaster. Do you know down, what I'm talking about? Down, 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 down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the sort of thing I'd imagine if you were the the, uh, the human body but a horse's head. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Would you rather have <laughs> hoofed hands? No, that's a stupid question. Would you rather have hoofed hands or hoofed feet? Rather have hoofed feet, obviously. You can write anything. Again, you can, you can pick things up. How did it just unless you're, unless you're magnetic. Oh, there you go. There, there you go. I you can only pick up precious metals, though. That's the only <laughs> thing. And not everything's made of metal. You know, you could use, like, a, a big viral, for instance. Uh, or you discover, uh, like, a really precious uh, skeleton of a dinosaur, but you can't pick it up. How, I mean, how strong are these magnets? Like the, I mean, if you're like a metal, and how metal is a skeleton that it's so far below deck that you that you can't move? No, but uh, so how, you can't pull it up because that's bone, and and you can only pull up metal. Right, I thought you spent like the, there was something like there was something like a, a big metal thing underground, and you were trying to walk around with your horse's hooves, <laughs> but you can't because just it's, you're magnetically stuck. No. Your boss phoning you say, "How come you're late for work? Oh, I'm stuck. I've accidentally walked over a drain." 
Listen, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't answer your question. I've no idea. I've absolutely no idea. That's probably a good thing to finish things up, isn't it? I mean, uh, Fowler asked if we could do an hour and a half. We said no, absolutely no chance. That's an hour and 37 minutes. We're so sorry. You know what happens when Sean and I get together? We gossip like a pair of fishwives in a supermarket that, that just get in the way of the aisles. You're trying to get past that and you've got to reach over them. Oh, sorry, son. And they, they move away and then you get in all that sort of stuff. So we're really sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just finish it there. I, I think so. I think so. Um, well, of course, thank you very much for joining us in this journey and thank you very much for your questions. It was great to answer them. I had a good time. I, I, I don't know about you, Sean. No, I, I did. I, I did. Thank you. Thank you to you. Thank you to uh, the, the listeners for their good questions. Thank you. And of course, thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Thank you very much for the, the money you put into the Patreon. There was loads of good content. I was in the gym earlier lifting weights and listened to... <laughs> Why is that funny, Sean? I'm working on my physical and my men's mental health, and you're you're having a laugh about it. I, I just like the way you gently introduced it in the conversation. I was I was listening uh, in the gym recently. Oh, I was. I was. It was earlier today. I was listening to the pre, the, the mid season uh, points about um, Dundee United and uh, St Mirren and St Johnson. All very interesting. Absolutely, uh, lots of good points. Yeah, and so please keep on, uh, please keep subscribing. Sean and I will probably be back at some point again soon. Maybe a face-to-face podcast at some point. I think maybe next Thursday, maybe. Is oh! I think that's now a rumour. talking. Now we're talking. Like, Sean and I are looking at a computer screen. I don't want to say anything, Sean, but your image froze for about 30 minutes. So I just did, I, it, it, it was, um, it looked like something from The Ring. I'll say that your face, your face looked as though you'd just watch. Uh, you'd just been frightened to death, really. Um, but no, you're 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 back now. So we much better do it face to face. That will be joined by Fowler, like it was in the good old days. Yes, I uh, believe it's. Uh, I believe it's that trio. I have a couple of pints. Call Andy Muirhead a cunt. Fantastic <laughs> man. Just a, 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 a really enriching way to spend a Thursday night. So I can't wait for it, and I've no doubt the listeners won't be able to wait for it either. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. But anyway, until then, I've been Craig Telfer, he's been Sean McGuigan, and this has been the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Please take care, and please enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.